Welcome to the More to Black podcast. If you've been looking for an online community of people who have taken the roads less traveled that decided to study an African language or promote the diaspora, then look no further. Join us for bi-weekly episodes as we learn from these inspirational individuals and apply their steps to your life today. I'm your host, Taisha Cole. Let's dive in. Hey, Fode, how are you? I'm fine. Great. Welcome to the More to Black podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Happy New Year. Everyone, this is Fode Conte. I actually learned about him learning um, about African ancestry and what they're doing in the community. So I was searching online for African-American stories of people who have just simply traced their roots back and that's when I discovered you, Fode, um, through just a series of YouTube videos. But uh, why don't you tell everyone about a little bit about yourself and essentially what made you decide to trace your your ancestral lineage to begin with? What inspired me or uh, led me to this journey to trace my roots was me and my uncle. My great uncle was having a debate, and this is back in. 7 years ago, okay. And so when you first got that Manila like envelope in the mail and you open it up and you you figure out that you're a part of the the Timney tribe of Sierra Leone, what did that what was your initial reaction? How did that feel? Mm. 
definitely gets lost like yeah it's it's a it's a common story unfortunately for you know african africans in america because of everything we've been through as a culture um so i was watching the video of uh you along with several other you know like african americans who had found out that they also shared lineage with people in sierra leone it was really emotional i saw people like crying when they were getting their results back um, the Minister of Tourism, I believe, she was just, you know, welcoming everyone with open arms and um, essentially granting people dual citizenship to the country of Sierra Leone once your fingerprints was done. So it was it was emotional for me to watch you um, as well in the video. How how did that journey feel to arrive in Sierra Leone together as a large group? Uh, it was like over 50 people, right? No, it wasn't 50 people. It was, I want to say, it was like 18 of us that time. But that, that journey just didn't start at that moment. So, you know. Okay. Um, you know, it, 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 if I'm explaining, in 2013, when I found uh, my results, uh, when I got those results, the next month, I joined the Sierra Leone community in my city. I've been a, a member ever since it's called the organization of Sierra Leone in Indiana, and they never let me leave this, this organization. I mean, I'm, I'm a paid member uh, in that community. Uh, in that community, I even held a uh, position on the committee uh, during the last term. Mm. Uh, so I, I began to learn about the culture and how to interact with the people. And, and, and things like that. Then, you know, I started, uh, I wanted to, I said, okay, now it's time for me to go get my people. Right? Mm. So now it's time for me to go find the rest of my people. So I started interacting with people uh, after we answered that online form, and that form, they don't have it anymore. But I started reaching out to people who also share roots with uh, people in Sierra Leone, Kenya, and stuff like that. And in 2013, I had my first conference call. Then okay. To have them and start organizing and things like that. And I was able to make my first trip to Sierra Leone in 2016. Um, I went by myself. I was hosted by uh, a, a, a gentleman and his wife that uh, had there, uh, mm. who are gullers and his uh, man by the name of Kode Ajemu Messeray and his wife, Kenya Messeray. They were living there. I, they, uh, they hosted me on my first trip, you know, you know, my second trip. They hosted me, uh, introduced me to some people. I, I had my, I had 
had my uh, first homecoming that time, and that that is itself is a story in itself. So uh, when I had my first homecoming, uh, the the brother who introduced me to uh, the brother and his wife that's uh, living in Sierra Leone, they basically um, he they. He introduced me to him. He was one of my elder brothers who died. That was her Hillary. And uh, he used to do, uh, and he used to do ancestral work and stuff like that. If you want to say readings and stuff like that. He did something for me. And, you know, it's, and I wanted to know what my original last name was. Okay. I had already received the name Ode Kunda from a woman who was named Kaji, uh, Okay. And so when they started, when, when, when they came out to the next regime, 
Miami for residence permission. And, you know, she, and I gave them a petition that we had had already for a couple few years ago. Had a few names. And I gave it to them, and I went out and I signed it or whatever. And uh, the commissioner, Charlie Heffner, he had that, that, uh, uh, or whatever. And they told us to come back. And uh, we were supposed to come back in September, but I ended up going back in November. And there was a group that was there at the same time, and they ended up, Come off of, come together on of your body, 
and we feel as if we, when we go back and then we reintegrate re- re- inside of these uh, 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 cultural groups, whether mm-hmm. it be Timia, Fulani, or Mandinka, or whatever. So now, you know, we, we kind of, you know, wearing out the option of going somewhere and, uh, you know, being uh, uh, a separate group of people or whatnot. Now we're coming together as one people. That's, that's the way... Okay, yeah, because I was going to ask about that. So, because there are several different videos of like that I've seen of different groups of you all going back to uh, Sierra Leone or for the first time. So it makes sense. I'm glad that you explained it. Like, because I the group that I saw it was it was like well over 20 people in that room, but it it definitely makes sense. Like when you when you explain the full story. So, but that's beautiful. Like it takes collaboration. Um, sometimes, you know, things aren't as smooth as, as you, uh, would like, but when you all collaborated, it's clear to see the results are, you know, nobody can take this history away from, from everyone that participated or is still participating and finding out, um, where their stolen ancestors are from, like from the continent. So that's great. Um, tell us a little bit more too about like the lineage restoration movement, um, if someone is, is in their very beginning stages of this journey, cause like you said, you started your research in 2013. The lineage restoration movement, you know, is, and if I can backtrack, you know, to, to knock out two songs, mm-hmm. with the United House of Ancestry, we learn, with the United House of Ancestry, we learn how to create charters based around our heritage culture, right? So, with that, you know, you become a heritage ambassador for your particular group of people, whether it's the Balanta, whether it's the Timonet, whether it's the, uh, we have the uh, uh, Bongo, Congo, uh, we have some of the Mende Bondicia, we have the uh, uh, Benedict Tokyum, and we have a uh, Fulani uh, group, a Fula group that's on the uprising. So mm. we have these different groups and these people are, are connected uh, from a heritage-based uh, perspective. And with the lineage and restoration movement, uh, it, it defines it. You know, uh, somebody might not want to be affiliated, but it defines it and lets people know how we can use this tool as a resource. Because we have we have the information now. There's no reason for us to let it, let it die with us. The tools and resources that we can find out something about our, uh, our ancestry, ancestral lineage, our heritage. Where it becomes easy with taking the African ancestry test or finding a match mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. a promo, right? Where it becomes easy is you able to attach yourself to a certain group, whether it's a Mende, a Timmy, a Fool, a Balanta, a Mandinka, a crew, uh, uh, the Big Bay, Lobo, Bakunu, all these different groups. I, I know them because I'm, I'm, I'm associated with them. So these different groups, you ever to go back to these people. And nine times out of ten, once you tell these people that I am a Bakunu, I'm Funu or Ashira, I'm Bakango, they're going to take you back. They're going to welcome you back. So now you're able to, you have a people you can culturally connect uh, yourself to. You can learn that language. We're learning these different uh, cultural groups, you can at least, if you know, don't want to change your name, you can at least have an alternate name that'll root to your origin. Because 
Yeah. And so we, we can begin to come out of that caste system and become our own, become our own people again. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Exactly. And I'm glad yeah. you... Yeah, I'm glad you brought up um, language. Like that's something that the More to Black podcast like really likes to highlight um, a lot because it's it's one of my, I mean, I, I can't even just call it a pet peeve. It's just something that I personally notice that when our children are in school, when our parents and grandparents have been in school, you know, and of course it's because most of us have attended public schools we have always been forced to study European languages. And I, I find it quite ironic that they are called uh, romance languages, right? Like Spanish and Italian and, um, and and all of the rest of them, any of them you can think of. Um, but nothing, there's never almost any opportunity for anyone to study African indigenous languages. So can you touch on when you were in Sierra Leone or even just your involvement with the lineage restoration movement, um, the importance of indigenous African languages. Like, did you, what, which ones did you hear when you were in Sierra Leone and which ones do you encounter when you're working with the two organizations you're co co leading? Okay. So my learning of an African language or so-called African language learning. I learned it before I even went to Sierra Leone. Mm. Remember, I told you I was in the Sierra Leone community. So I started learning a little bit, even though there's very little feminine in the community. So I was meeting people all over the state that were, you know, teaching me certain things. So, mm. you know, you know, meaning, meaning, the voice got to I can speak to me small, small. You know what I'm saying? When I hear that, I, I, I understand what they're saying. Mm. Right? Even though I'm not as fluent as I want to be and as I should be. But every every day is a learning curve. But I know I, I, I can speak and say certain things and I can understand that language pretty well. But Mende was also another language I can hear because most of the people in my community here, they Mende. So mm. I can, I, when I hear that language, I, I hear it. Uh, Mandingo, that's another language. When I hear them talk in Fula, I, when, I hear them, when I hear them speak Fula for a day, I know that they speak in Fula for a day. Wow. And so you just rattled off like four languages right there. Um, that's so, yeah, that's just... I'm just like taking that in really, because it, it really pains me to know, like when our kids go to school, like I said, most of the time, public schools, they're, they're forced to learn like Spanish, Russian, Italian. I hear some folks in our community, you know, like talking about like, oh, their children are learning Japanese and Chinese and like anything and everything, but something from the continent of Africa. Right. And you just rattled off like four indigenous languages that are still spoken today, you know, and if we don't speak these languages with the next generations, they will, they, they will die off. That's what happens to languages when you don't speak them. So that's dope, man. Wow. I mean, you know, that, 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 that's all, uh, that's all part of the system that plagues us, uh, white, white supremacy system that plagues us to make us think that, you know, we was taught that 
you know, a lot of our people here thought that anything that had to do associated with Africa or who we was, was was a bad thing, right? So it was it's always seen as a negative life. That's why a very small percentage of African Americans that really accept their origins and things like that, their origin spiritual system, whether it's linguistics and stuff like that. That's why, and I'm going to show you how it plays out. Even now, when somebody wants to name their child a name, Shaniqua, a Bonquisha, or something like that, something that was significant, they signify this person's black or something like that, you know what I'm saying? Because what is the name of the child? Mm-hmm. People look down on that, you know what I'm saying? When somebody wants to name their child, if somebody wants to name their child, my baby Garbo, or Umbalu, Umbalu Kamara, or something like that, be the name of the Timmy, or Share with us um, 
any way we can find out more information for the Lineage Restoration Movement and the other organizations, the TPT Foundation that you mentioned as well? How can we, um, if we want to be involved or just learn from these organizations, find you all on social media? And once again, I'll link everything in the show notes, but I just wanted you to shout it out. about collaboration and that's you know essentially why the more to black podcast was created was to hopefully help cultivate a um, community of people who you know are more than just bystanders or you know just complaining about like what's what's going wrong with what has been going wrong for decades but we have technology at our disposal now like let's use it for something good and, you know, to hopefully come together and do something, do the things that have not been done yet that you want to see done. So I commend you for, yeah, all of your work for day because um, it's not easy and I can't say it enough. Like nobody can do any of this alone, but you have to start somewhere. And so, like you said, you started years before you even found an existing community of other people who shared your lineage and then after that, it kind of just picked up from there and, and look at everything you guys are doing now. So, like, yeah. keep it up. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to be a supporter. I, I, I very much appreciate it. I'm going to, um, like I said, link all of the website information to the show notes, everyone. So don't worry if you, you know, didn't jot it down, didn't get the spelling correct. I got that on my end. And I will continue to follow your work day and um, be in touch with you. And like I said, I'm going to share my journey with you and the rest of the community as well. So thank you so much for coming on today and have a blessed day and we'll, we'll talk soon. Wow, that was so inspirational to hear Fode's story. It was beautiful to hear how he traced his roots back all the way to Sierra Leone with others. Um, took his first solo trip because he just really wanted to know and is now building projects still in 2020 in Sierra Leone with locals that have been there, you know, their whole lives. Um, I think it was really beautiful to hear. If you all follow the More to Black page, you would also know that I too am waiting for my results to come back from African ancestry. Hopefully the next time I go back to the continent of Africa, I'll know more about myself and uh yeah it's just something that's that's exactly what the pan-african movement is all about so let us know what you thought of this episode on our facebook page or our instagram page at more to black llc and again all of Fode's information will be in the show notes today if you want to learn more about what he is doing otherwise stay blessed and i will catch you guys the next time